So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take a few minutes and kind of introduce this new series uh, for this week and next week. This is a two-week series called Open Mic. Let me explain to you um, what this means. First, I have had no end of pastor friends tell me that I am brave and or an idiot. Because all of us as pastors have horror stories, and I can't go into them. We all have horror stories of when you give people the mic, and who knows what might happen, right? Um, but I, I tell you this, I believe with all my heart that the best thing that could happen, and it's not an either or, okay? I'll make sure you get this. Like if you read the Bible, you will see that there are times when the church shares with the church, and then there are times when pastors teach the church. It's not either or. Um, Paul preached a sermon so long somebody died, people. Fell, out of, fell asleep, fell out the window, and died. You thought I was long-winded? The dude fell asleep and fell out the window and died. And then Paul went down and resurrected him. And the Bible says this. And then Paul went back up and finished preaching until morning. So this isn't about we shouldn't have sermons. This is just like what we've done is we've taken the mic, I believe this, and out of fear and out of control, we have put the mic into one person's hand, and I think it's I think that the Lord wants the church to have a voice, and the church won't have a voice if they don't have the chance to use their voice. So listen to this passage in Ephesians. Now I don't have we're not going to take the time to unpack all of Ephesians. That's a fantastic book that you should probably read. But if you if you were to spend time in Ephesians chapter four, you might be amazed at how much Paul starts talking about words. And usually not good words. He'll, he'll say things like, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. He starts talking about, and here's what you'll, you'll get in Ephesians 4 and 5. We talk a lot to each other, don't we? Now we do it on devices. But we talk to each other a lot. And it's not always all that good and encouraging. And so Paul starts talking in Ephesians chapter 4 about talk. He goes into chapter 5 still talking about how we live our lives and how we, how we talk. And then he says this in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, instead be filled, verse 18, with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. And making music to the Lord in your hearts. If you have the NIV, it actually says this. Speaking to one another in hymns, psalms, and singing spiritual songs. Why would we do that? Verse 20, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's testimony, people. That's you speaking to one another, not just in community group, not just at Walmart. <laughs> How do we talk to each other at Walmart? Uh, we won't even go there, right? It's like right here, right now. And here's what I've been praying. I've been praying over you that what is written in Jeremiah would come true over the next two weeks. Jeremiah said, I have a fire, like holding your word in is like a fire shut up in my bones. And here's what he says, I am weary from holding it in. I would say this, the church needs to let that voice out. Now you have had the Lord do things in your life, not just in the two years that we've been in this place, but in the six and a half, almost seven years that our church has been in existence some of you started attending our church in this bar, and God has changed your life. Some of you have, God's shown you scriptures. He's given you things. Man, it's in you. And I'm telling you that I trust the Holy Spirit enough to lay this microphone down 
and give you the opportunity to pick it up. And here's what's going to happen when you do. In Isaiah chapter 6, there's this awesome story that all of you have heard um, where Isaiah sees, uh, he sees these living creatures and they start to um, say, holy, holy, holy. And you've probably heard songs written about this. He says, I saw the Lord. And he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. But here's the part that I want you to get. Those living creatures, all they say 24-7, 365, is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's all they say. Do you know what that is? That's a testimony. I don't particularly want you to get up here and tell me how bad you are. I'd like for you to get up here and tell me how good he's been. So when we start to tell testimony about how holy he is, here's what it says in Isaiah 6. And the temple shook. Listen, there's something about your testimony, your testimony. Turn to the person next to you and say, your testimony. When it's inside you and you're quiet about it, nothing shakes. But when you speak it out about what the Lord has done for you in your life, things begin to shake. People that have struggled with the things that you've been delivered from, that thing starts to shake loose from them. Somebody that's addicted to alcohol hears you talk about how you've had a chip for three and a half, four years. Something inside them goes, wait, I think I I could get set free from that. It starts to shake. Your testimony has power. Now, let's just quickly reverse this, and then I'm going to let the two people that signed up to share today come, and then you're going to have the opportunity after they're finished to also share. I'm not trying to guilt you into it, right? I just want to make sure you get this. So if the church, if the church that's been set free by the power of the gospel does this. Nothing shakes. Just status quo. Well, I hope you come to our church because our church is cooler than your church. That's not church growth. Church growth is let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is what my God has done for me. And, man, that shakes people. It draws people in, people that need the same freedom that you've experienced. So uh, we've got two people that signed up. Now, if you're here, sitting here and you're like, man, I, sh- I meant to sign up, I meant to sign up. The good news for you is you can still share today. You don't have to sign up to do that. But you also can sign up for next week. There's another week. You've got more opportunity. Okay. Um, Jerry's coming first. Y'all should give it up for him. Big, big, big hand. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Jerry Zunino, and I'm a member here. And uh, thank you. Um, so I, it's been not chance, but really, like, I've been real sensitive to the, the spirit today and, and as leading up to this, because a lot has changed. Initially, when I signed up, I had a song that I wanted to share, because I thought, that'd be easy. I can play guitar, I can sing, and then get off stage, and then something that, you know, the song that I wrote um, a while back, and it really has been from just the past sermons and leading up to today and a bunch of stuff that's been going on, and then I started you know, uh, things just started happening and moving, and it's funny that I'm going up first. Not that I wanted to go up first, but the message kind of, you know, as, as I walk in, Bridget's hitting on something that's in, in what I wrote, and so did Paul. And I guess the first part of it is, is um, it has a title. It's called Use the Advantage. You know, if you've ever seen something that 
that's not being used for its proper purpose. Like if you were to see somebody melt down a Lamborghini and then make a bicycle out of it, or you know, get a bunch of money and then use a campfire out of it when they have money and they can go buy a heater, or something crazy like that. That you know, or somebody gets a brick and use it as a as a as a doorstop. You know, we see these really, really nice things being used for purpose, and you think, what are you doing? Like, that's a gold brick. You could sell that and buy a whole new door that props itself up. And, and God did the same thing for us. He created us holy and perfect and with purpose, and then fear and shame warped the image of our relationship with God. It's like we, God didn't change in the garden. Adam and Eve did. Like, they sinned, and then they felt fear and shame, so they changed the way they saw God, and then the way they behaved around God. And so we do the same thing. We feel like the fear and shame of doing anything in us is, is crazy. Like, I'm not good enough to get up there and talk about God in front of these people, or I'm not good enough to sing and praise on the praise team. You might sing in private and sound good and, and worship with your whole heart, but then you think, I don't want to do it on stage because I'm not worthy or I'm not clean or whatever, when God's already taken care of that. And so I have this, this imagery of of these people drowning in, in knee-high water. Like, they're struggling, and, and Jesus is sitting there saying, stand up, stand up, stand up. Like, I've, I've, I've put solid ground underneath you, and you're drowning in knee-high water. Stand up, and nobody's listening. Or some people say, sure, I'll stand up, and then never actually stand up. And so we think we have to be good to experience the goodness of God, which Jesus says, I've made you master of your sin. And the key is that Jesus did that, not us. Jesus made us master of our sin by dying on the cross and, and you know, taking it down. So what now? If Jesus paid the price for sin and we've thought all of our lives, hey, I have to be good to get rid of my sin, to get into heaven, well, what now when we put our faith in Jesus and stand up? Like, that work is done. So when we stand up and listen to the Father and put our feet on solid ground, what now? In John 8, I had a couple of scriptures. What was it? John 8, 10. Um, Look it up here. Had them all bookmarked. There it is. It's the woman at the well story, and Jesus stood up and said to her after he got rid of the... If you were to have this story in today, the Pharisees would be church people. And then God looks at these people that are yelling at her and condemning her and about to stone her and tells them, you know, if you're without sin, you know the story. At the end, Jesus says, stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? No one... Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, and so now go on and sin no more. So before he saved her, he didn't address sin first. He actually addressed sin in the Pharisees, the people who were trying to keep the law. Like he addressed it in sin in them first, the person who needed the grace. He gave her the grace first before she was good, before she stopped sinning. It's like that, that step was taken first. And, and in Luke 15, he does it again. He Except this time it's with the son, the prodigal son. He does the same thing first. Before he even lets him say, I'm not worthy, he takes him in, he puts a coat on, and he brings him inside. But then the son, the first thing he addresses when the the other son, the older son who's been sitting there working in vain, the first thing he addresses when the son comes home is his sin. It's like this son of yours who's been out spending your money and with prostitutes and all this, the first thing he addresses with the younger brothers is sin. No grace. And when the father did the, other, the opposite, and he says, grace first. And they haven't even talked about what he did or how he's going to make it up. And so that was already taken care of. And so 
you know, it's grace before measure. Every time Jesus has an interaction with, with somebody in the Bible, it's grace before measure and grace before measure. Before he measures sin, he's just said, come close and we'll take care of that later. And then he says, I've already taken that at the cross. And so after that, you know, we need to use this advantage. You know, God has given us this advantage of being free from our sin, being masters of our sin. We need to put that at his feet and do the work and be the hands and feet because being, and being the hands and feet means being the advantage. And that's the other side. Once we use the advantage, we can be the advantage to others who don't have that. The, was it Matthew 25, 34? Look that up. It's in here somewhere. There it is. It says, then the king will say, on his right, and this is, this is at the end of, Jesus is talking about the end of days when he separates the goats from the sheep. And so that's where this is, comes in. And then this, the king will say to those on the right who are the sheep, come you who are blessed by the father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you and at the foundation of the world. Because he talks about, that's not the part. For I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? And he says, when you did it to the least of these, to the people who didn't have the advantage, the people who were drowning in the high water, you came to them and you fed them and stood them up and, and showed them the grace before measure. That's our, it, here it sounds like to me, that's our interaction directly with God. Like that's how we're worshiping. If we're, it's, at least it's one form of worship, but like the, the, the step forward and the, at the end of days, he talks about this is how you will be measured is by the grace that you gave to the ones who didn't have the advantage, the advantage that you helped prop people up. And so, you know, God does all this and he, even Jesus knew, like when he came down, he knew that it wasn't his, his place to even condemn and criticize like he did the pharisees because they were prideful but then when he came down to serve and not be served he even talks about i'm the vine and my father's the vine dresser he wasn't there to dress the vine he wasn't there to prune and separate he was there to to be the vine to be the the life and he calls us branches and so our job is to be a branch god's the vine no jesus is the vine god is the vine dresser and he prunes the vines at the end but or the branches but what do branches do like as far as what do we do as branches, we, branches produce fruit and then fruit produces nourishment and seeds. They plant seeds. That's what fruit does. And so our fruit is the fruits of the spirit, the love, the kindness, the gentleness, all that. And that's how we make a difference and put our feet on the ground. By not being afraid because God took care of the hard part of us feeling shame and fear. We can stand up and do the work and get up here and speak. And, and that, that fire that you know, Jeremiah was talking about, we can let that out and we're free to do that because when people say, well, I know who you were and I, you know, I know what you did and well, it doesn't matter because, you know, I'm in the grace of God. And there's a quote that I heard because we listened to a lot of Disney music. It was Pocahontas, but she said, <laughs> she said, I like, I love the river because I never step in the same river twice because the water is always flowing. And so the song that I wrote is, is, um, has a line in it, the chorus that says, the rivers, I'll follow rivers in a wasteland. And that's out of, I don't remember where, but I, I don't have the scripture in front of me. But the, the point is, is that when you're in the river and you stray, when you come back, your sin isn't sitting there floating in the river. It's gone. It's washed down. 
And so we're not, every time we come back to God and Jesus, who's the river, he holds no, like there's no record of our sin. It's there. And he comes, he opens us with grace and, you know, he still has to wash it away. You know, you still have to step into the water and it has to flow downstream. But there's no, there's nothing holding us from, from living to that expectation of, you know, we're the gold brick that can be used to, to do whatever we need to do to be our full value. And so that's why I thought it was interesting that I actually will say this, is that I felt coming into the open mind, is like, am I really good enough to sit up here and speak? It's like, well, maybe somebody's out there thinking they're not good enough, but it's, it's in the scripture that God gave you a spirit of power and a spirit of love and, and all these, the spirit that he put in you is, is available to you. That fear and the shame is what's holding you back. And as long as it measures up to the Bible, there's no, there's no standard, there's no earthly standard that you're being measured by. It's the Bible and God and Jesus' love and the sin has been taken away. Um, and that, that's, that's all I have to share. We have, we have power. <laughs> Man, that's so good. So my job and my role in this whole series is not to add to anything that's said, because I don't need to do that, just to facilitate. Um, I will say this, that what you just shared about the river taking, just washing our sins away, that's really, really powerful. So I want to pray um, for those in the room that you need that grace because um, we believe this. This is one of our core values. We value your story. We believe that when you share it, God gets glory and others get grace. And so if you're here this morning and that resonates with you, like, man, my, I felt my sins just puddled around me, all this regret and shame and ugh. It's like I don't understand baths, right, where you sit in dirty water. But I get the river, right? I love that. It just carries it away. So who here says, man, I needed to hear that this morning? Would you just raise your hand? Yeah, higher so Jerry can see. That's the reason why he shared it. And we're going to pray for you. If you're near somebody, put their hand up. Just put your hand on their shoulder. We're going to pray, and then we're going to bring Chantel up. Father, thank you so much for that word, God. I thank you for um, just the power of grace. We don't have to perform and earn anything. You've taken care of that. So thank you for the river that washes us clean. Man, I love the imagery of that. And so for these that have raised their hands this morning, man, that's a word directly from the throne of God through our brother to them. That they are clean. You are washing it away. And we thank you for it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, Jerry. Again, hey, Chantel, where you at? Woo, here she comes. Everybody give Chantel a big gathering. Welcome. to follow that so um for those of you that don't know me I'm Chantel Hughes and if you showed up last week I'm the um sermon illustration that Adam used it's not exactly as exaggerated as he says it is but whatever (laughs) um So today I felt like in order to sufficiently explain how God has blessed my life, um, I had to shed a little light on what my life was like before him. Um, I have grown up in and out of church, mostly in, um, but I think as a child I didn't quite understand the concept of having a true relationship with Christ. Um, And as I grew into adulthood, and I say that because I'm not real sure if I'm there yet, um... I had my first taste of freedom at college, and I went a little wild. Um, I partied a lot, 
Uh, I was very promiscuous. And um, the first time I was raped was at age 18. And I was told five words that um, I'll never forget. Uh, you made me do this. And I believed that. Um, I believed that my hurt was just a reflection of my lifestyle, and I deserved what I got. Um, I struggled with depression, um, insecurity issues, uh, bulimia, and some identity issues. And I constantly seeked attention and affection in all the wrong places. I thought maybe um, one day I would find that guy or someone that would fix me. Um, and I've heard that saying that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So after years of being insane and doing the same mistakes, I um, finally decided that I needed to stop using my past as a crutch and um, an excuse. Um, it's obvious that I had issues, but until I made a change, or truthfully until God made a change in me, um, nothing was going to get better. Um, so in August, I found some accountability partners here at church. Um, Anya helped me to make healthy choices and respect my body. Um, Tabitha Bailey helped hold me accountable for reading the Bible. Uh, I got involved with a community group here, and I really started feeling at home at church. I really started pursuing God more intimately, um, and I wanted that almost tangible connection with God. Um, Romans 8, 1 and 2 tells me that I'm not condemned anymore, and I'm set free. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells me I'm a new creation and the old is gone. Um, and that's a concept sometimes I still struggle with. Like, can I maintain this connection with God? Am I going to be able to walk according to his will? Um, is this change real? But the good news is that I'm not alone and I'll stumble. But any time that I stumble, he is right there. Um, to pick me up, and he has blessed my life immensely over the last year. Um, in October, he allowed me the opportunity to go to India, which was an amazing experience, very eye-opening and humbling. Um, he's allowed Adam to enter my life, which at the time I didn't think was something I needed. I thought the last thing I needed was some pastor hit me up on Facebook. Um, <laughs> But uh, through our relationship, God has shown me how amazing it feels to be with somebody that cares more about my soul than my body. Um, most recently, God's opened the doors for me to further my education and pursue a, a bachelor's degree at Chapel Hill in dental hygiene. And um, that's a big step for my life. Um, I feel like I've experienced a lot in this world, both good and bad, and I can confidently say that there is nothing more exciting than feeling God work in your life. Um, Jeremiah 29:11 tells me that God has a plan for me, and even though sometimes that plan seems a little overwhelming or scary, I can take comfort in the fact that 
God's plan will not harm me. And I believe that to be true not only for myself, but for the church as well. Um, as we prepare to move into our new location, uh, we can take comfort in the fact that God's plan is to prosper us and to give us hope and a future. And I would encourage anyone who doesn't feel that close connection with God or you feel like you're missing something um, to seek him. Jeremiah 29:13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Um, and I promise that finding God is the best thing you'll ever do in your entire life. And it's totally worth it. And that's it. Preachers talk way too much. That was so good. Thank you for the courage of sharing that. Um, so many directions that we could go right off of that testimony. I know that you're not the only one in here that has a past like that. Um, can I just tell you this, that God is the best at making treasure out of trash, right? He just takes our mistakes and our messes, and he does something amazing with them. So if you're here and that's something that you've wrestled with, that you still wrestle with, I want you to know that you're in a safe place, that you, there are people here that love you. You can talk to people here. But can I just um, highlight one other thing that Chantel did that I love? You read the Word. Now, here's why that's important. I just said this to a, a guy that wants to uh, plant a church, and I told him that everybody has playlists in their head. Have you noticed this? And they're almost always bad songs. Almost always they're bad songs. Even as believers, we have playlists in our head, and it, the songs are stuff like, you're not good enough. You can't do that. What if this doesn't last? And what I want you to take away from what Chantel just did is, is every time she mentioned one of those bad songs, she said, but God said. She quoted a verse. That's really powerful. And so I want to speak a verse over you, Chantel. Can I do that? All right. Philippians 1.6. Paul said, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's your hope, and he will do it. God is a great finisher. Who here needs to know that God will finish in you what he began? You need to replace the playlist in your mind with a positive playlist from his word. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me? Raise it high. Chantel, look around the room. This is why you shared your testimony. All right, would you put your hand on their shoulder if you're next to them? And we're going to pray right now. Father, in your name, Jesus, I thank you uh, just for the courage in Chantel's words and for the um, power in your word. Man, just, I couldn't stop smiling just hearing her quote those verses. And I know that your word washes us new. That, that river Jerry talked about comes from your word. Like when we read and we memorize and we know what you said about us, it just washes us clean. So we pray over these in the room, God, that raise their hands. I'm, I'm praying for a new playlist, God, that there would be verses that they would read and highlight and they'd become their songs and that they would play that over and over and over again in their mind, that you would renew their minds with your word in your name, Jesus. Amen. So this is um, now going to, it's 10.01. This is the awkward part of the service where it's open mic. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, yes? Yeah, I'm just going to set it down here and go sit down. So you just come on.
Hey, make sure you introduce yourself and hold the mic up here by your mouth. I saw you. I feel your angst, right? Craig's just like, he's down here like, y'all are like, why is Craig on the front row scratching his belly button? He's not scratching his belly button. He's like. Thanks, man. What's up, guys? My name is Chase Godwin. Uh, I've been attending the gathering for, man, three or four years. And um, I just felt led back there while I was at the camera to share this testimony um, and dive right into it. When I was young, I really thought that if God made anything prettier than a woman, he kept it for himself. Like, it's up there in heaven chilling somewhere. We can't see it. And I really had um, just a, a huge appeal towards women. When I was eight or nine, my grandfather bought us a Windows 95. And um, I was just bored one day at home and got looking and just, just – cruising through the computer, and at about nine years old, um, I found pornography that my brother had downloaded on the computer. And it was literally from that moment, I was addicted. Um, I looked at porn every opportunity I could get. I would even put myself in very compromised situations to look at porn. I was addicted to the female form, and I was, I just couldn't see it for the beauty that it was, I had to idolize it, which is effectively what I did. I turned porn into my God. Um, when I was 10, uh, First Assembly did, we are, or I am a witness, it was a play, and they did an altar call afterwards, and I went down, and I, what I assume, and I still haven't figured this part out, um, but I, I went down and I wanted Jesus Christ in my life. Um, but it was soon after that I found that you can't be a Christian and live a sexually debauchous, if I said that word right, life. You can't do it. And it was at that moment that I subconsciously walked away from God. I, uh, I wanted that. I wanted to experience that in every, as many times as I could, uh, with whatever woman would let me, I wanted to experience that. So I walked away. And I still went to church, uh, but I was watching and I was known growing up as a partier. Like, I, would, I was the life of the party. I mean, I was always the guy drinking more than everybody, laughing more than everybody, doing all this. But that really wasn't my crutch at the end of the day because I, there were times, there were several times where I would go without going to a party, but there wasn't a day that went by that I wasn't looking at porn. And when these bad boys came out, smartphones, when you can literally pull up anything you want to, it's like giving a heroin addict as much supply as he needs to do what it is that he wants to do. And I was watching porn all the time. Well, when I was about 21, pornography was like little breadcrumbs, like the devil was leading me breadcrumbs just to get me to where he won't ultimately wanted me to go. When I was about 21, I got hit with, there's, it talks about in the scripture, and I'm sorry I didn't prepare any scripture for this. I'm just going to have to wing a lot of it. But it talks about where God gave them over to reprobate minds. And there was a point, literally, when I turned 21, right before I turned 21, I got hit with mental, um, just, it just all the time, mental debauchery, sexual debauchery of literally every kind you can think of. It went from this spectrum to that spectrum, and it never stopped. I could not get away from these thoughts that were getting in my head. And I never knew why. I never knew why I had them. Um, 
but fast forward a couple years, I'm battling with this in 21, 24, 25, I can't remember exact date, but I gave my life over to Jesus. I was, I was just devastated. My career wasn't going anywhere. Uh, I had a cesspool mind. If, and to really honestly, to put it in illustration, if everybody's ever seen Saving Private Ryan, the very beginning of the beach scene, if you could replace that with sexually impure thoughts, that was what my mind was like all the time. Um, I couldn't get away from them. And uh, it was at that moment that I was just really sick of living the life that I, lay, that I was living, and I gave it all over to Jesus. I said, I don't know. Everything I've done in my life that I have put my hands on, I have ruined. I'm sick of this. I want you in my life. I want you to take this from me. I want to live for you. I'm tired of living for me. And from that moment on, he started changing me and shaping me. And um, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that my pornography watching didn't stop at that moment. It was a growing thing. It was a gradual thing. And even into my marriage, that was something that continued to carry over. And that's something that Anya and me, really, in the very early stages, we've only been married two years, but that was something that we really battled with. Um, And it typically would happen when I felt abandoned by God, I felt abandoned by my wife, I felt completely alone and isolated. And when I was in the faith, when I was in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was in me, I put value in people. And when I wasn't in the Holy Spirit, I didn't see people as valuable. They became objects. And that's what pornography is, is seeing people as objects. There are women that have value. Ladies, men, there are men that have value. Joseph ran out of the room when the governor's wife came after him, not because he didn't want it. He ran out because he was afraid that he would harm God. And when you look at pornography, that's effectively what you're doing. When you look at people other than what God intended them to be, that's the sin. And I had this testimony. I've been running over my mind. First off, let me preface this. If you're battling with adultery right now, men, women, whoever, if you're in a relationship with somebody else and you're not married, God can change that. If you are in a homosexual lifestyle, God can change that. If you're watching a pornography every day, claim Jesus, and going home and watching porn, God can change that. And I can tell you exactly when you have victory. And that's when you give your life over to Jesus. I used to say I could never tell this testimony because I haven't got victory over it yet. But what the devil was telling me is that you don't have victory. But I can tell you right now, I got victory when I gave my life to Jesus. There's an old, I mean, this old saying, I heard a preacher say it, sin is like a chicken. When you cut the head off a chicken, it'll run around in the yard for a while until all the blood's out of it, and then it'll fall over dead. Jesus cut the head off of your chicken, and what you're living in right now, the sins that you're feeling, the, the pornography you're watching, whatever the case may be, it's that old sinful blood working its way out of you until, until your old sin life is dead. And then God can build you up and, then, and, and put you in places that you never thought you could be. I haven't watched pornography in over a year. And I give God the credit for that because it's not something I can do. And um, I just, again, I just wanted to let every one of y'all know if you're dealing with sexual sin, it's, it's something that no one ever intended to let it get as far as it has. But it, like anything, like addiction, like um, gambling, you fill in the blank. 
it starts off small and then it becomes something else. Okay? There is one person, one, one person that can take that away from you, and he died on a cross 2,000 years ago. Everybody else in this world is struggling their hardest to find hope, to find peace. You find people on the news commit suicide, celebrities that have it all, and they have no hope. I've got hope, and it's that hope that saved me from my sexual sin, and he can do the same for you. God bless. That was like testimony, altar call, the whole deal. Thank you. That's courage too. I know I know what y'all are thinking. I ain't raising my hand on that one. <laughs> so I'll just I think we're gonna wrap it up with that one. If you're here and that stirred you to share a testimony, come back next week or stay for the eleven o'clock service and share it there. Let me just leave you with this. James 5, 16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. How many of you would like to be healed? Anybody in the room want to be healed? It starts with confession. And I know what you're thinking. It says, 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins to God. I get it. I totally get it. And we should do that. But this just said to confess your sins to each other. And here's why we should do that. Because when you say to somebody else, this is something that I'm struggling with, typically what you'll hear back, well, what we're afraid that we'll hear back is, oh, really? Get away from me. But what you usually hear is, God, I'm so glad to hear somebody else say that. I struggle with that too. That's the power of a testimony. And so um, I'm not going to take the wussy way out. I'm going to still do what I've done for all the other two testimonies. If you're here today and you struggle with sexual immorality and you want to be set free, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? This reminds me of the first altar call I ever did. Where I read this scripture, it's in the Gospels, and Jesus says, every impurity that's in man comes out from his heart, and he lists all the impurities, and I read that list and waited, because I told everybody, when I read your word, just stand up. And then I paused really long at adultery, and nobody stood up. Then I, that's why I knew they were lying. So we're going to pray. Anybody else? Anybody else want in on this? You want to be set free? You want it bad enough that you even raise your hand and say, that's me? Anybody else? All right. Can we pray for you? Do you mind raising your hand one more time? And just, y'all are surrounded. Put, put your hand on his shoulder. We're going to pray right now. Can I, can I just tell you this? Can I come out here? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But, man, I'm going to tell you, like, hypocrisy does not move God. Honesty does. That man's fixing to get set free. The rest of you, good luck. Anybody else want to get on this right now? Because I know what the statistics say. All right, let's pray. Father, in your name, Jesus, thank you. I know half this church ain't going to come back. I get it. It's cool. But I'm just so tired of playing games with you, God. 
I don't want to lead a church like that. We want to be a church that's honest, that comes to you with our sins and our faults and our struggles. Because here's what we know. Chase just stood here and said, I haven't looked at porn in a year. And all the people in here that aren't addicted to something don't even get how big that is. But God, I've been where Chase was too. And that's a big deal. In this culture, big deal. And it's because of your power. And so, God, I pray for my brother in your name, Jesus. I am so thankful, God, for somebody who is living out today what the Bible talks about when that woman who'd been bleeding for 18 years said, I've had enough, and I'm pushing anybody out of the way that keeps me from Jesus. I'm coming to the king. Because if I can just touch his garment, I will be healed. And I pray that that courage and conviction would overtake my friend. In your name, Jesus. And everybody said, but only one could really say it loud because he was honest. The rest of us are just like, amen. Could God do that for me? I know I'm harping on it, and it's not the way to end a service like this. Man, God is offering you a door to freedom. Some of you need to take it. Some of you need to repent. Because some of you are cheating on your, on your spouse. But she's not real. I know, but she's on that computer. And you're cheating on your spouse. And God just stirred a man to share a testimony to give you the opportunity to be set free. And I'm going to beg you to not leave this space until you repent before the Lord. So if everybody walks out that door, I would strongly suggest you stay where you are and do business with God. Because he loves you enough to give you the chance to be free. Jerry, Chantel, Chase, thank you for your courage in sharing today. Holy cow, I'm going to preach a lot less in this church. I love it. I love what he shared through all three of you and the hope that it brings to us. Again, we believe this. We believe that when we share our story, God gets glory and man gets grace. And so nothing's ever shared here to make you feel worse about where you are, but to make you feel like, man, there's hope and freedom for me. There's a future for me. Satan always talks about our past. God always talks about our future. Always. He has a purpose for your life. Father, in your name, Jesus, I thank you for what you've done today. God, I thank you for the way that you, it's funny how you do shake us when we share the word of our testimony. And I know that, Lord, today, right now, you're shaking us. The things that, that Jerry spoke about, how our sin just wants to cling to us, but there's grace. What Chantel shared so courageously. We don't deserve God. You've, you've set us free from this lie that we get what we deserve because you took on the cross what we deserved. This powerful testimony from Chase about how you can set a mind free from junk that your, your word, your truth has more power in our lives than Satan's lies. And I thank you that those powerful testimonies are shaking us right now. And I'm praying, God, for freedom in the house to be set free from the stuff that holds us.
down and back. God, we're going to walk out of here with our heads up, our shoulders back, chest out. We're walking in the power of knowing you. I love the verse that was shared, Romans 8, 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we cling to that truth, and we thank you for it in your name, Jesus. Just before we finish, would you join me in praying for Chase, Chantel, and Jerry. Because if I've learned nothing else in ministry, here's what I've learned. When you take the mic and share your testimony, Satan's like, uh-huh. Let's give it a whirl and see how that lasts. So, Father, we just, as a body, we're not going to sit back and hear them. We're going to support them. As a body right now, we just lift them up to you. We pray for your protection around their minds and around their hearts. We stand with them, God. We thank you that we had the chance today to hear from the hearts of our brothers and our sister. And so we speak, God, life into them. Overflow in their spirit, God, who you are. They walk out of here. We got, we've got their back, God. We're going to protect them. We believe in you in them. We thank you for it, God, in your name, Jesus. Amen.